0: because i don't think there could be a black simon jordan why not because it's you're too opinionated and if you're a black you would get slaughtered more than you get slaughtered now 100 percent do you think and a female you think you could have you think you could have a black boris johnson because of course we can run can't we one second Ah. and we can play And we can sing, can't we? We're entertainers. So honestly, we get rid of that. Nothing's going to change. You don't pass the exam on the day you take it. You pass it in your preparation leading up to it. I agree. And in football, it's the same thing. We love Messi and Ronaldo, but what we don't see is the Monday to Friday work they put in.
1: This is up front with me, Simon Jordan. I believe there are a lot of vacuous, uninformed, unchallenged opinions out there. I want to get to the bottom line and cut through the nonsense. So with this podcast with William Hill, I'm going to get people with strong views, strong opinions, and get them to stand them up to proper scrutiny. There's a good chance I might learn something along the way. But more importantly, so might you. Joining me in today's episode, a talented winger who started his career at Watford under the late Graham Taylor before spending a decade at Liverpool, twice winning the title in an FA Cup, playing alongside some of the most revered names in football, experiencing the highest of highs and lowest of lows. He's written books and has strident views on the issues of race and class in the UK today. Mr John Barnes, welcome to Upfront. Always a pleasure. John, in, in all of these discussions, when I'm talking to you guys, you superstars of sport, I always start from the position of wanting to understand. I suppose, for want of a better expression, what is your why, and and where where did you come from to go to the journey that you went on? Mm. I don't mean necessarily geographically, but I think that's part of uh, an important part of your story. So, I suppose we start with that. You know, John Barnes. Where did John Barnes start from to become this? Footballer that we all know and recognize.
0: Well, when we look at anybody's journey, faith plays a big part in all our lives and all, yep. all our journeys. So, growing up as a young boy in Jamaica, when I was twelve years old, my father was a colonel in the Jamaican army. Um, he got sent as military attaché to England mm-hmm. when I was twelve. So, it was a four-year posting. So, I'm coming to England as a thirteen-year-old boy now because my father is going to be the military attaché in England for four years. So, I'm going to come to England for four years. Then a 17, I'm gonna go back to Jamaica. Probably go to America. Most Jamaicans go to university in America. So it was gonna be a four-year adventure, nothing else. I didn't come, we didn't emigrate. We didn't come here to live. My dad was a diplomat. We lived in Golders Green Highgate. We lived in Mayfair. We had, you know, my dad and my mother worked in television. Um, So I was coming for a great adventure, having always played football. So I played football growing up in Jamaica. Right. As a young boy, when I was 11, I played for the On the 16th. I was a good footballer. I would always play football. I love football. I'm going to come to the home of football. I'm going to play football. Then I'm going to go back to Jamaica, play football in Jamaica, or play football in America. I never dreamed of being a professional footballer because I didn't think my life would keep me in a country that has professional football. Right. And six months before the family, in fact, my dad went back, the family are about to go back. I'm playing locally for Sudbury Court in Wembley by Vell Farm and a taxi driver is driving by. He, he decides to watch the game. He knows a scout. He tells a scout to come and watch me play then three months later watford said come and train and they offered me a contract and my mom and dad went back before the season even started so i had to stay with some friends and at 17 i'm now a professional footballer with watford whereby one year earlier i never even thought about being a professional footballer although i knew i would always play football in whatever country i was in i never thought i was going to be in england
1: but when you look at it and you talk about the journey that you've been on to get to this space in terms of these are the basic fundamental milestones, but there's also something mentally about you guys that's different hmm. I um uh, signed for Chelsea when I was fifteen. I was in the same team as Michael Thomas um who was a fabulous player hmm. um and you will know that because you played against him and with him uh, and with him of course yeah um but there was something for me that wasn't there in terms of the desire to be I wanted I was a good footballer not 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 like you of course, but I had you know, the talent to be a footballer, to be a mm. professional footballer, but I didn't have the real uh, the switch that you turn to become an elite sportsman and to become a top player. Yeah. And part of your background, because your background's different from, I would suspect, a lot of young footballers at the time that you came through. Mm. you know, We're now seeing a different generation of football. We're seeing yeah. a media savvy footballer, we're seeing an educated footballer. Mm. When we were younger, and you're a little bit older than me, but when we were younger, most footballers were stereotyped as being thick with no education, yeah. no background, and football was only one of their outlets. Yeah. You, you don't come from that position. You mm. come from a different position. Your family are educated, you're yeah. educated, your sisters and your, your your other family are, and so are your children obviously because of your backgrounds. Yeah. But what? What? how do you equate a very different sort of background to becoming the footballer that you became?
0: Well, first of all, when you were there at Chelsea at 15, you were dreaming about being a professional footballer. Yeah. And I suppose from your 12 or 13. So when I was 16, I knew I I, I was dreaming of being a footballer because I loved football. Right. I didn't think I'd be a professional because if I go back to Jamaica or go to America, I got offered a scholarship to Howard University. I don't know what degree I was going to do and I'd play football in America. This is 1980, 81. There's no professional football. So I knew I'd always play football. But of course, you were thinking about being a professional. But from my perspective... What my dad instilled in me, my dad went to Sandhurst in the 50s with Andrew Parker Bowles. So my dad being an army officer, spoke about discipline, determination. Mm -hmm. So from I was young, just to give an example of the way I was brought up, I used to swim, my sister swam for Jamaica. She's very, and we're very sporting as a family. Mm -hmm. And I used to swim competitively at the age 11 and 12. And we had to train every day. My dad said, if you're gonna do it, do it with authenticity, not from a professional perspective. And because I would stop off every now and again, we had to train every day. I would stop off to play football and not go to training. He said, stop swimming. Unless you're going to do it with authenticity. So, when I then came to England and I'm playing for the Boys Club on the 13s, 14s, 15s, I had to train by myself. Because you around went Richards to good Park. schools, though, didn't you? I, did, I went to St. Marlborough yeah. and Grammar School I went to a yeah. good school. But notwithstanding that, what my dad instilled in me, which I probably hated at the time, of this. This work ethic, hard yeah. work, commitment. Mm-hmm. My friends are going out. He said, "You have to go and do extra training." I was running around Hyde Park when I didn't really want to. Obviously, mm-hmm. it stood me in good stead. But that's way I was brought up. Because I had that. My father was a professional
1: footballer. My father played for Palace. That's why well, they ended up buying that football team yeah. because of the, with the uh, of the association. And I grew up in the, with that discipline mentality. That I remember one Christmas, I got this huge box of presents, and it was a really weighty box. And my kid brother was looking at, it, and I'm going to look at the size. Of what I've got? I opened it up. It was weights. Yeah. Because my dad's discipline was, I was going to run up and down our stairs. I was going to yeah, do yeah. weights, and I was going to do. Uh, particular classes, so I was driven, but it drove things out of me. It drove the love of football out of me, mm. the discipline that I my father wanted to install in me, yeah. albeit I believe the fundamentals of life are Absolutely. instilled through disciplines and and value Absolutely. sets.
0: Absolutely, but but with me, it wasn't much football, you see. Right. The only thing that didn't work was with school. You know, my sisters are very yeah. educated, one's a lawyer, one's a, 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 a banker. My mum became, a, my mom did a law degree when she was 70. She's now a barrister at 87. So from a very educational family, that was lost on me. But in terms of discipline, in terms of a played squash, I swam, whatever I did, he says, Yes, you may probably. have talent, but you have to put the effort in mm. the preparation. And I say that to my kids now: you don't pass the exam on the day you take it; you pass it in your preparation leading up to it. I agree. And in football, yeah. it's the same thing. We love Messi and Ronaldo, but yeah. what we don't see is the Monday to Friday work they put in. Because it isn't just ability. Oh, of course, it's of not because there's You've lots of kids that are absolutely. not playing football that were probably absolutely. more
1: talented than the ones that end up playing it. Absolutely, right? mm-hmm. that's the most chance, important. Yeah. And
0: Watford was a great club. Girl. Graham Taylor, yeah, because I want that. to
1: talk to you about that because I mean Graham Taylor. I'm going to get into you led me into to Watford because Graham Taylor was someone I met, and I met Graham Taylor when he was on his second stint. I think at Watford um, I think it was his second stint around about 2001 yeah, and i had Palace stint. for about a year 18 months yeah. um, and there was obviously this media incarnation that's been created around Graham Taylor when I met him I met him in the manager's office I think we'd just beaten Watford and Graham's observation to me was was they can all wait on a fucking bus because they pissed off my weekend mm. right? because they played so poorly Yeah. and then I've got Martin Keown telling me stories about a Graham Taylor um, when he went to Aston Villa mm. and how Graham said to Doug Ellis um, it's wonderful you've come down to training ground chairman. Now, piss off. Yeah. We don't need you here anymore. <laughs> you say that at the then, all the time. And then into the uh, uh, into the players, you don't want to be here. You don't want to be here. You're trying to get a move. You're trying to get a move. You lot either come with me or you can all do one. Yeah. And then you've got this other uh, Graham Taylor uh, scenario of you know the, the 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 press conference when he goes at Rob Shepherd and he says oh I can't have it Rob I can't have that miserable face and then of course you've got the media caricature mm. your relationship with Graham Taylor and your perception of Graham Taylor and the value that he had in your life because it would strike me that he must have been
0: significantly valuable to you absolutely so tell me about it Graham Taylor was an incredible man my my favorite Graham Taylor story' it's a it, it, it's a story that will resonate here in 2023 because and I didn't know this story until probably about two years ago when Luther Blissett told me, he never reminded me, he told me. And he said he only heard this um, probably a year earlier. In 1981, I think it was, 82, we're playing against Oldham Athletic. And you know, Graham had his issues because Graham was a particular age of the way the language that they use. Mm -hmm. So Graham, they would talk about Graham being racist because Mm -hmm. he said certain things. Mm -hmm. And we're playing against Oldham and halftime came and Graham Taylor was in the dressing room at halftime. It was Sam Ellis who was the coach, and he he took the halftime team top. But we didn't think anything of it. Graham was probably doing what he's doing. Same as he
1: went to work with Stan Turner. That's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But
0: then but then Graham came in just before we went back out and he gave his normal team talk and went out. Graham never said a word where he was. No one even thought where he was. It's only when Luther told me the story two years ago that I, it made sense because I didn't even know that he wasn't there. You know, he came in five minutes before the end. He gave his talk, never said a word to anyone. And what had happened, this is 1982, before there was a conversation to be had about race, racism, mm-hmm. racial abuse and football matches. As you know, back then, it was very overt in society. Mm-hmm. So therefore it went on. And what had happened in 1982, and Watford's a lovely club, Watford fans yeah, aren't aggressive. Yeah, was, yeah. Watford fans aren't aggressive to be fighting and stuff like yeah. that. But of course, football fans are football fans. And what had happened was when the game was going on, they had a black player called Roger Palmer up front for, for mm. Oldham athletic. And Graham heard one or two fans racially abusing Roger Palmer. We never heard it. And if we did, it would have been commonplace, whatever. Mm. But, you know, Watford aren't fans like that. But of course, they're like everybody else. So what he did... Which we weren't even aware of he never said a word what he did is when we went in at half time he went up and got the mic from the from the announcer he went into the middle of the pitch and he said if i hear any racist abuse at this football club because we have two black players and if i hear any racist abuse at this football club whoever does it will never come to this stadium again mm. came into the dressing room never mentioned it's a right that second half and that shows what graham Taylor is like yeah he was an incredible man an did incredible you feel
1: man. did you feel i mean obviously as a player he would have shaped certain aspects of your, your, your father set you on your way and gave you the culture and the outlook and the disposition and the discipline and graham was the beneficiary of that to some extent because yeah. he had, you had talent alongside it and he, mm-hmm. had a, he had a need for that in his team yeah when you saw the depiction of graham and the ridicule and the parody that came as a result of it and you saw you know the documentaries on television mm-hmm. where do, do i not like that and all that yeah. went with that yeah. did that how did that make you? Given the fact that he was such a pivotal influence in your life yeah. at the beginning of your football career, and given the story you just told me, he'll have an even bigger yeah. influence in your life and more value. Mm.
0: Did that? Did that? Did that offend you? Hurt you? Make you want to speak out about it? All of the above. All yeah. of the above. And I'll tell you why. Because Graham used to say to me, and you see, because Graham he was a very intelligent man, very wise, but he was very naive to a certain extent because he felt that. When, so he said to me, for example, when I played for Watford and the fans and, and, and the press used to say, "Oh, you're great because we're beating Arsenal, and we finished second to Liverpool." Yeah. Then when I played for England, they were criticizing me, and it was getting to me. And he said, "You know," he said, "You know when the press tell you when you play for Watford that you're brilliant and how great you are." I said, "Do you believe them?" He said, "If you believe them, when they tell you you're crap playing for England, you better believe them as well." Yeah. So don't don't worry about what the press say. So then when he became England manager, and of course the press loved him at Watford. We're taking on the big boys, cup yeah. final, so they loved oh, but him. But when you become Jenkins England manager, that, yeah. when you become England manager, it's a different kettle of fish. Yeah. Now Graham is the quintessential ultra British bulldog, die in the wool, mm. nationally. So he loves Britain, you know, he loves Great Britain. You go through the war, you go through everything. He loves England. He's a real Englishman, and he thinks everybody should be that way. And he feels when I'm now going to manage England, they're all with me, the press, everybody should love me because we're all batting for this because we want England to do but well, you know, that's not how it works. No, you know, it? Not how yeah. it works so yeah. it's very naive in that sense. Yeah. So what he couldn't understand was why the press were against yeah. him because we should all love England. Yeah. So of course, as you know, that's not the way the press works. So he was a bit naive in thinking, I'm just going to owe myself to them. Yeah. I'm going to show them my full self because they're going to want us to do one. Yeah. If we are not doing well, you show they'll the will kick it though, won't They won't Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. unfortunately for Graham, he was just so open with them that eventually when they stuck the knife in, it was too late. But we're going to talk about management's
1: mm-hmm. and the idea, and I can't make a case. I can't find the example. Maybe I'm going to commit myself into an, ob- an observation that you're going to be able to contradict straight away. I don't know of any great players that have made great managers. I can think of Franz Beckenberg, right? Okay, that's that's in Germany, right? But I can't can see. I the double okay there's an example and then then that's just caught me in that particular trap but other than that then I'll go other than that Johan Cruyff was a great manager okay but let's let's confine it to English football and say Kenny for the purpose of my argument which now suits me right but but these are the exceptions that don't prove the rule because I look at great players and I don't see many of them I see the elite managers now are not coming from a great background Wenger started the culture Mourinho was the next cab off the rank Benitez the same Mm -hmm. and we look across the pantheon of managers that have come across recently and none have been great players and when you see great players God, like the Teddy wasn't Sheridan bad. God, the like, wasn't bad was he? Yeah, okay but again I'm talking about yeah, okay again you've got me and twice I you don't know why now. that is
0: great players don't make great managers Yeah, bad players don't make great managers great managers make great managers how many bad how many bad players have they been who are terrible managers as well but of course if you're a great player they go well it doesn't mean you're going to be a good manager of course it doesn't just because you're a great player doesn't mean you're going to be a great manager now with me talk about first two managerial careers Jamaica, Chelsea, yeah. Jamaica first. Okay, thirteen games, never lost one game, never lost one game. We played Nigeria, we played let's of teams better than us. Because my thing was, from my managerial style, is about the organization. This comes from Watford. Not from, you know, the way you think great players are. Go out and play and you need great players. I understood. And at Watford, we never had great players. So the organisation, and we knew if we had the right physical capabilities, and we worked on our mentality and our attitude and our organisation, we can compete. So when we play Nigeria, El Salvador, Panama, we play these teams who are better than us, we never lost. So let's talk about Celtic first.
1: But why did you go, if you want to go back to Jamaica, because you brought it up. Why did you go and manage Jamaica?
0: Well, that's the only job I could get in 2007 after managing from 1999. Well, we'll talk about that again thing. in a second because I'm yeah. not sure
1: that's right. But well, be, that's your view of things. Well, and no, because you I, didn't I, not right. I didn't get a job. I didn't get a job, that's fi- the only job I could get. Okay, but did you find me? because I was firing managers for jobs I didn't know you then well it doesn't matter I didn't <laughs> know you. you I didn't know you are you telling me in the football world what did you apply for a job at Palace I was firing of managers course. for fun during that period yeah but Palace listen I oh, okay. one second
0: I understand the situation Palace were in what division then uh, championship and then Premier League and then championship. championship exactly exactly I know the situation well of course I don't know you but how many black managers are going to be given their Premier League job oh we'll get into that in a second yeah so but, I don't know you so that, I don't that, that, know whether you're if I knew that I would have given you a job. but the football world
1: you know come on let's have this on what we're having this discussion you know the football world right we're all five degrees of separation we can all find one another right Mm -hmm. and the secrets of of opportunities for jobs are not secrets right but when you talk about lack of opportunity as a result Mm -hmm. of having to go to manage Jamaica because there wasn't other opportunities for you you I I was firing managers and I was hiring managers Mm -hmm. and I was hiring managers based upon who approached me Mm -hmm. so on that basis why didn't you approach me I don't know you. I didn't know. That. I didn't know Trevor Francis. I so, didn't know
0: Steve Bruce. So, I didn't wh- wh- know Ian Dowie, I didn't know Peter Taylor. I didn't know any of these guys. Well, obviously, they feel very comfortable approaching you because their experiences have told or them that they approach did. you, or whoever, because their experiences have told them that people like us can approach anybody. People like us being what white people? Okay. Well, in a so moment- so, tell me something. We've got a forty percent. We've got a forty percent black players. Yeah. The fact that there's less than five percent is that because they're not good enough, and why aren't they approaching people? Why? Well, uh, we can we can analyse that statistic if you want. Forty percent of the black players
1: in the Premier League, of yeah. which fifty percent are overseas players that go back after their contracts finish.
0: This is now. Let's talk about the last I'm ta- I'm ten years. I'm talking about now. Yeah. I'm talking about now. Yeah. So in the Premier League, yeah. Forty. I think forget fo- the Premier League. I'm talking about th- the whole football league. Okay. And it, there are more down but, below. Okay. How many black managers are there? And why? Why do you think there are not
1: no black managers? Do you know? Do you know? And it's a really interesting question. It's one I want to want to get into with you. Yeah. Um. Because I have views, and I know you do. Yeah. I've been I've been listening to your book. Um, you know, the uncomfortable truth about racism. Mm -hmm. And I've been listening to it with an open mind Mm -hmm. because it's easy to go into spaces where you have an echo chamber. Mm -hmm. It's easy to find people that agree with you. It's much more difficult to have grown up conversations with people that perhaps have different views and different Mm -hmm. experiences. And if you don't listen to other people's views, you might come out of the view saying, I don't still don't agree with their point of view, Mm -hmm. but I I look at my experiences in football and my 10 years and the football club that I owned. And I wonder given the nature of the football club that I owned, mm-hmm. its multi-ethnicity as its fan base, mm-hmm. its outlook of its owner,
0: mm-hmm.
1: its its owner having a black nephew and being very public about that, mm-hmm. and its and its predilection to uh, players of a certain ethnicity making it into the first team, going for its youth system. Yeah. Why I never had an application from a black manager. I had black managers, I had black assistant coaches in Keith Cole, yeah. um, and no resistance, and no barrier to entry mm-hmm. uh, for me whatsoever. And I see that replicated in most of the other football club chairman around Mm -hmm. the country that would
0: have employed anybody that could manage their football team. So what you're actually saying is that you don't think they're black managers because they're not applying for jobs. Is that what you're saying?
1: I'm saying I don't understand why the only argument that is advanced currently, not necessarily by you because we Mm -hmm. haven't got to that in this conversation, Mm -hmm. um, about the lack of representation Mm -hmm. is discrimination, prejudice, racism, or... Uh, people employing people that only look like them and so on and so forth. So why do you think there are no black managers then? You said I haven't answered. Well, I'll tell you why. Because I think there's an element of the community itself that doesn't step up. I think there's 13% of coaches coming through that are black. I think that there's a perception and a perception, and I listen to people like Jermaine Defoe making, I think, ridiculous observations that almost fall into the category of a -a Mm wine-a-thon about where he thinks he's going to be given an opportunity. And I'll Mm -hmm. pick up his quote in a second and give Mm -hmm. it back to you. Because I look at it and I think to myself, I had these conversations with Chris Hewton. Mm -hmm. I look at the pyramid. I look at the fact that 35% of the professional clubs in this country have employed a black manager. Mm -hmm. I look at the fact that there's a multiple of managers within the confines of the black community that have had a multiple of jobs. Mm -hmm. Whether it's Chris Hewton, whether it's Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, whether it's Keith Alexander, whether it's Keith Curl, um, whether it's Darren Moore. And all of them having managed more than one football club.
0: Right. and That's five out of a 40%.
1: And, and and again, yeah. again, we go to that
0: the Amsterdam, told me why you think that there aren't any black managers. I have told you. 13% of coaches coming
1: through is not enough. Mm-hmm. So what do you expect if you haven't got enough representation there? I think the community itself has a self-perpetuating feeling that there's not going to be opportunities given to them.
0: And why um, do they feel that? But...
1: but but it's Why not. But it's that? not for me to tell you. Yeah. It's you to tell me because you're the person that has the stronger view because it's your life that and I'm we're telling talking you,
0: about. But of course, you're resisting it. No, but I'm, I'm not. telling you. No, no,
1: no. It no, no, seems no, that no, way. no, hold on, hold on. You asked me for my view. Yeah. Right. And then I think to myself, hang on a second. It's better to hear your view rather than me telling you my view. Okay. And we'll get to my view let's, after let's, I've heard yours. Okay. Put it this
0: way: Why are they in the top division in the top five or six clubs? Not many English managers, and they're white because.
1: I think that there is a an institutional culture in English football mm-hmm. of English managers that have been lazy and unprofessional and disrespectful and don't manage up very well. By the way, there's quite a few English and UK managers now
0: in the Premier League. You've got Eddie Howe. You've right. had Brendan Rodgers recently. So, you've right, got David course, Moyes. Right. So, so the here mix we go. is now different. Yeah, so here we are. So because there's a perception, a perception of an English, white English manager's capability at the very highest level. Look what's happened at Chelsea. Now, when jobs come up in the Premier League, yeah. how many Spanish, Portuguese, other managers who have never heard of, who've done nothing, who've come in and been given opportunities? Because the perception is that they're better. And that's what it is, a perception. What, so, why, do you, you, why this? do you think Be- that's a perception? Why do you think it's a perception? Because when you have managers who fail at Watford or fail at these other clubs, yeah. Spanish or Portuguese managers. Well, Watford is not a great well, example, well, is it? Well, well, <laughs> <well, laughs> well, everybody fails well, at Watford at the, according at, uh, to the in, in, in the Premier League, a yeah. lot of foreign managers come over and no, no one bats an eyelid but if an English manager is given an opportunity he's under more pressure and he'll be given less time to be successful so let's just go back to the well okay I don't recognise that Mm -hmm. I don't
1: recognise because I I employed English managers I interview foreign managers you speak
0: to white British managers speak to David Moyes and think of what he says you think David Moyes Sam Allardyce any of them will then say and they've always said they've been on record as saying the top jobs aren't going to be given to British managers he got the
1: top job who? Moyes where? at Manchester United and where is he now? And why did that happen? Of course.
0: So that's like saying, oh, uh, a black." there's been a black manager. You mentioned five black but managers did, there. Okay.
1: But we, we, because we, of what he did at Everton. But we
0: both... No, uh, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. Wh- why? why did his job at Manchester United expire so quickly? Because you tell me why, and I'll tell you what I think. I'll tell you because it was nuance in that conversation because anybody that followed Alex Ferguson, whoever they were, was going to suffer. So, so... And he was stupid enough so or, took it. Opportunistic enough to take that first opportunity. all the bright managers went, yeah, I'll tell nope. you what, I Love. won't touch that. But you give me one, give one
0: example of how long ago was that? Of a Scottish manager got a but, Man United but job. you brought
1: Moyes into it. We're talking about Moyes because you yeah, brought and, him into it. And where
0: it. he been since? Has he got a top job since? He's been to
1: Sociedad. He went to Sunderland. I'm
0: talking. Oh, they're one of the top five no, English jobs.
1: No, he didn't. But then maybe the argument is that David Moyes, I'm not necessarily in this camp, mm-hmm. and people can call him Diver and Dave or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. about him, right? I think he's a good manager. I'm not sure he's a top five manager. So the reasons why he's not a top five manager is because I'm not sure he's a top five manager. So here's the thing, and that's not a perception based uh, upon his
0: Scottish, English, Peruvian. It's based upon capabilities. That's on what, of course, but not perceptions. But here's the point. Here's the point. When you have foreign managers coming in to manage Premier League teams, yeah, yeah, and they're no and they fail, yeah. Do then people say they're not good enough if they're from Spain, Germany, Portugal, whatever? But it's a perception that England managers aren't good enough, and it's okay for you to say no. You speak to any of the British managers, so what are they're making a yeah, about the bad manager making a but, but I used to
1: listen to that, right? And I listened to how uh, Redknapp rednap mm. that tro- that trope out about if if anyhow was called Eduardo Suarez, he'd be managing a top five side. And that to me was just nonsense. It was an atypical defense mechanism to the fact that some of the inadequacies in English coaching, some of the inadequacies in English attitudes, and I'm an Englishman. I'm a proud Englishman that believes that we should be celebrating building. I hate the fact that everything in this country is sold to overseas. I hate the fact that we've got all our ownership now being owned by foreign investors because they see the vision that other people don't. So I'm in that culture. I believe in that. And I will want to patronize this country with everything I believe in. But I also want the best in class right and so I'm this, afraid so, so the best in class is not English managers or black what well, depends if the best managers are black then fantastic but, but it shouldn't be a barrier to entry to it
0: so so why aren't there any then if you the opportunity will you, will you tell me because of course we can run can't we one second ah. and we can play. And we can sing, can't we? We're and entertainers. So, can we think? So, and until we change that, and I'm going to get my bag there and show you the books on um, colonialism, yeah, imperialism, and the perception we have of I've a person's it. ability, women are the same thing. Honestly, we get rid of that, nothing's going to change. What it. will happen, what will happen is that when a black manager like company all of a sudden does well, they're going to go, oh, isn't that great? Because we uh, elevate who's, comp- who's, who's uh, they? Vinton Company. No, who's they? Who's they? Society. Say, they, the okay. establishment. Right. Because I, I us I, as
1: a society, yeah, okay. all of us, um, we look at, This scenario, as far as football's concerned, and your argument is this, insofar as I've understood it, you're good enough to be the the players and the singers and entertainers, but never good enough to be the impresarios. Mm -hmm. And that's because of racial bias, Mm -hmm. and that's because of the outlook of the structure of society, whether you take it back to the Magna Carta and the construct of society as a result of that, or you build it up with critical race theory, or you build it up to the construct of this country's outlook. Mm -hmm. And I, I agree with some of it. But then I look into sport, yeah. Because right? we can't fix society through sport. We Absolutely, can, and neither should I'm we have to. stop to, pretending that. And, and yeah. neither should we have to. i agree one hundred percent. Absolutely, right? Right? I agree with you. You equate the lack of opportunities mm-hmm. that you had through managerial not positions, just me, not just me. But let's just do it with you. No, no, let's, no, no, no. Let's do no, no, it you what first. you're doing,
0: and then you'll say, then you'll say, oh, because you failed or whatever. Forget about me because you have. Oh, because, right. because, do you think? Put but Do you think? And I love Frank. Frank Lampard. Yeah, You think with Frank Lampard's record, if he was black, he would be given opportunities. I don't think he should have been given this opportunity. But he is. But why would he, he have been? Up? Let's There's, talk about Celtic. Y- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, Do you really believe now, as
1: a result of your career, well, that you haven't got jobs because you're black? What would, you say? What would black? you say
0: if I told you, and you can Google this while you're here, that I have a better win percentage than Steven Gerrard at Rangers? I believe you. And I've looked at your record. So 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 why was I not given longer?
1: I don't know you're going to tell me, I hope, because a 65%... (laughs) Well, I suppose I've been telling
0: people the last 20 years, and every time I say this, they go, well, you tell me. Because everybody,
1: me me included, Mm. me included goes, well, if you want to have role models in football, if we're going to make this argument, because we just have this argument with Ian Wright Mm. about role models, some of them might want to be successful every now and again. Mm -hmm. Like John Barnes, he had a chance at Celtic. And then I go and look at your record and go, well, that's not right. He got a sixty-five percent win record, and then he got this moniker of losing to Inverness Caledonia. Inverness, Caledonia. Caledonia this or whatever it was, off. you know, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. gave the Super califragil- Celtic, Celtic- yeah. or whatever mm. it was, right? Well, what, a, why were you given the job? Yeah, and then B, why were you taken out when there's a well, sixty-five percent win the record, record. The which is not bad, job. is it? I was given the job it's it's because Kenny, had, Celtic, Kenny had faith
0: in me. Yeah, Kenny had faith in me. So my sixty-five percent is not great for, for not great, but Stephen Gerrard sixty-four is great. That's why he got the Aston Villa job. Yeah, which I said he shouldn't have got, by the way. But regardless of whether his experience he should have got or not, yeah. people say that that's not bad. And if you look at other people's records, but here's the thing, here's the thing. Why are, and you know, black managers who are given jobs? Yeah. What I say about black managers, I'll never say, what I should say is that black managers should never come out and black people can't because we have to have humility, unfortunately. Oh, because I don't think there could be a black Simon Jordan. Why not? Because it's you're too opinionated. And if you're a black, you would get slaughtered more than you get slaughtered okay. now. 100 percent Do you think? Do you and think and a female. You think you could have a black you, you could have a
1: black why do you Boris think that? Johnson? Why 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 do you think that when you've got you've got twenty five, sixteen, seventeen percent of the cabinet made up of, of black and minority ethnics? You've got seven, no, talking, eight percent no, 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 of Foxy one hundred no, 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 companies. No, these are no. influential people these that speak to These out. are the
0: elite. I'm talking about the character. You can't have a female Simon Jordan because women aren't allowed to be that way. Black people well, Karen Brady's way. allowed to be this way. Because she has lots of money. And how does she have lots of she, money?
1: No, not necessarily because she... No, come on now. You can't just give an answer that... She had to go on a journey to be
0: accepted. The one thing that Karen Brady could never And, once, got of, was accepted, and once again, I mean, once again, you know, woman, you know what a woman... And, and of course, and you know what? We had Obama as well. Isn't it great for black people, but a black prime minister? You can't give individual examples and then say, oh, well, women are okay because look at Karen Brady. Well I can look, and that's what people I look at Lorraine Rogers then. There was a tram, it was great. Okay. You can give five. I can look off. at Anita I can go on, can, on listing no, successful can't. women. You can't, like you just mentioned Margot five Like you mentioned five Theresa May. Oh, oh right. So we can keep on talking about keep going, successful keep women. Going. Keep going.
1: Anita Roddick.
0: We can keep on talking about successful women. No, we're women. not successful women. I'm talking about the characters they, of them. But their, the But the character was what made them successful. So how many have we mentioned in terms of how many white men have there been who've been successful? And um, How many black men have there been been successful of that ilk? You tell me that if, if if Obama had the character of Donald Trump, he would have survived or 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 if Rishi Sunak, forget about Rishi Sunak, like like Boris Johnson. Yeah. So therefore white men are given longer and given more leeway to be arrogant, to be whatever they want, and because they're go-getters, aren't they? Right. If you're black if you're female, then you can't be that way. And this is this is this is obvious. So well, it's not obvious. So, it's obvious to you. It's obvious it doesn't feel me. obvious to me. But well, it is because because I, you're not because offend- you're not affected by it. Well, well, I, I
1: I'm as affected by uh, someone that's arrogant or confident or assertive as the next person. But I'm not affected by arrogant and assertive and confident uh, and people. Once again, and I don't and care once if they're again, black, white, I'm or not talking green. about
0: you. I'm talking about society. Society would not but accept. I, I think society I'm would not. Of accept, an no, not. Society would not accept a black Simon Jordan, one hundred percent. That's that's. Your and view. they would not accept a
1: black. That that's your, Boris Johnson. That's your view.
0: You do accept a black Boris Johnson. Um, or a black or Donald Trump. I
1: do not, to be fair, I don't think we should accept a white Boris Johnson. Quite frankly, that's uh, a different discussion but entirely. But we do, don't we? Well, to some extent,
0: we do. We yeah, do. but we didn't for and long, Donald did we? Trump. But we didn't for long, did we? Yeah, but we, we, we do. We, so, don't, we didn't for long. So these are these are the issues. Now, what I said, I was going on to say, what we should tell black managers is that, and if you go, we couldn't be as good as, as, as white managers. Well, why? Well, because you think you can be like Alex Jackson, black? Well, you know what we should say? We should say we can be as bad as black man, as white managers. We can be as bad as white managers. You know what that means? When we lose our job, we get another one. Then we get another one. Then we get but, another but, one. Having failed. But you do. Who does? Chris Hutton. Paul Wintz. So, so, go on. Uh,
1: Keith Alexander. Uh, I can pull out my pad in a
0: second. Pull about your Seven, pad. eight of them. Uh, 30% black and you can mention seven and eight out of thousands of managers but over again, the last 20 years.
1: I go back to, you didn't answer my observation. Jim. Which is what? Why are we not got a pipeline? If the statistics that came through... It is not a pipeline. Well, let it is not a pipeline.
0: Let me tell you, because l- you asked me, you asked me about it and I'll tell you why. Chairman, don't sack managers. You don't know sack managers? Fans. Fans. Now, why are fans quicker to lose faith in black managers than there are in white managers. White managers are going to get a sack. Don't get me wrong. Of course they are. Of course they are. And the solution, very much like trickle-down economics doesn't work. Yeah. Trickling down, putting a black man in positions of power doesn't work either because they have to be beholden to the fans. So, Tony Fernandez, man of colour. Yeah. Who's the CEO of QPR? Les Ferdinand. Yeah. Director of football, yeah. yeah and yeah. who are they giving them? Um, jobs to. And I don't blame them because they know you put a black manager in charge and you lose a few matches, the fans are going to turn against them. And Why? because of the perception of a black person's it's ability an, it, It's to an lead.
1: interesting perspective. Well, what do you think of Jermaine Defeu's observation? Because I don't, one? he put this, he said, I'm obviously making the transition, but I see people like Les, John Barnes, Andy Cole, Sol, Dwight York. If these players aren't being given the opportunity, what's the point in me going down this avenue or doing my coaching badges? Why am I wasting my time? Don't yeah. you think that's an awful,
0: I think that's a defeatist attitude. I think that's, well, you know, if it's not if, good. Well, uh, once again, you walk and, in, and Jermaine Defoe is not just talking about walking in his own shoes or my shoes, because this is what has been happening historically for but many years, not changed. just in football, in life. And it's OK for you to look at that and go, oh, you should never be like that. You should be like me because I'm being an opportunity and I came from the working class. No, and I'm When you look at it, when you look at it from a perspective of a cultural perspective for hundreds of years about black disenfranchisement, it's easy to say, oh, no, that's not the way to be. That's no, why I I'm empathize not, with him completely. I'm not saying, completely I'm not saying with it. if he
1: feels that, it's his yeah. right to feel it. Absolutely. I just it's don't sad. Think, I, I don't think that you're going to affect change, if that's what you think needs to happen, by having that attitude. So what will affect change? By having a different attitude and being determined to well, overcome the are, barriers.
0: Well, Everyone, we've all got barriers, right? You perceive your barriers to be higher. No, higher. No, 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 no. I don't perceive it. Our barriers are higher. Okay. And I'm not talking about me personally. Now, from a black perspective, this is not recent, is it? How many times, how many, I'm now 60, and you've had players older than me are now coming into their 80s, yep. who've been wanting to be managers for the last 50 years. And we're gonna say, give it time, give it time. We gave it time 30, 40 years ago, and now they're saying the same thing. So it's okay when it hasn't affected people for them to go, or oh, so therefore I completely empathize. With are quotas the, the way forward? quote is not the way forward. No. Changing perceptions of people's capabilities are. If you've only got
1: a perception that's certain, and again, we had two black managers in the Premier League this year. Interestingly,
0: neither one of them were English. Um, and then, what bias does that particularly lead us towards? Of course, this is the whole point I'm making, because of course, Patrick is a, a, exotic. He speaks French, he speaks no, in with Company. No, because
1: he just might have done a decent job at Nice. No, no.
0: He didn't do a great job. No, at I didn't nice. think he did much he one of them either. He didn't at New York, yeah. Red Bull, wherever. And Vincent Company did a great job at Andelect. No, he didn't do a bad job. Hang on a second, Andelect are going to be one of the favourites. Uh, no, hold yeah? on, hold on, because I made that argument. I, when, I, when Burnley
1: put him in place, I was the first one to go, we well, ain't done a great job at Andelong. Then I looked at it and I went, actually, not a bad job. And not a bad job for, uh, for a championship listen, side that needs again, to be built.
0: Regardless, it's very similar to when I talk about white English managers and white foreign managers. It's a, it's a similar thing. Jimmy Floyd hasselback yeah? Mm. Foreign. Patrick Vieira. and am Thierry could get a job as well. They're black, but the, there's a different perception of black yeah. people who are from Europe. And once again, it is a perception because when you listen to them speak, and you know what? Let's talk about Eric Cantona, when he comes down, in as a philosopher, talking yeah, about George but, and but, Seagulls. But it, but if Tony but... Adams, with his cockney accent, said that, they go, he's a flipping idiot. I'll tell you
1: something. We'll get in that. I interviewed Tony Adams for a palace job. And Tony Adams phoned me up and uh, said to me, you know, and, and I thought, I didn't know who it was. He phoned me up and I thought he'd swallowed the Friedrich Nietzsche book because he started to quote the principles of life and the yeah. values of society. And I said to him, what the fucking hell are you talking about? I said, w- 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 am I talking to Tony Adams? I said, you will never be a manager, ever. Right? Not in, in, in the elite leagues because you just don't
0: I don't even know what the fuck
1: you're talking about.
0: And he turned around and said, Oh no, ah, ah
1: That's ah, the Tony Adams. Now I've got Tony Adams. Now, Adam. now no, I've got
0: him. But if Eric Cantona was doing it because of his French accent because I have this conversation to my I wife said all the time. Funny too. I, I I say this to my wife all the time. Why and the perception, once again, maybe not so much now because we're in multicultural society and we're, uh, the globalized world we live in. But I remember when I first came in to talk about Frenchmen are sexy, listen to their accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Frenchmen David, are sexy. You know no, that? they're not. David Jono happens to be sexy because the way he looks. But boss, what, I'm saying is that what I'm saying is that we have this perception of Frenchmen and Italians had style because Italians it's one. No, it's once this perception holds then it can get you a long oh, way. Well, there, is, there is some substance to that though, isn't it? Because Italians, what, Italians have, have,
1: to, have style? Well, Italians have created most of the fashion, most of the second. foods. Le, the well, so there, is there, is, there is some world 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 no, no, that, no. no. I'll
0: tell you because when you go to Italy and you go to Rome, you go to Milan and you see Italian men and they've got Gucci, Versace, Gucci with no over there, Versace on their hat, down their lines. That's in Eastern London, they're a chav. But in Italy, oh, they've got style.
1: When you, um, I'm going to move you into Liverpool now because that's where your career will go to another level. Now, this is a powerhouse of a football club. This is a football club that's dominated English football. And yet you go into it for 10 years where it's a football club prior to your arrival. For six years out of the 10 years, it wins the league. It dominates Europe. It dominates a lot of the Cups. Yet when you come, it there's a decline, not, not not attributable to you, and we'll get into that in a second, about your relationships with managers there. But there's a decline for 10 years in Liverpool. They only win the league twice. Um, I know there's going to be a situation around Europe because there was a ban on Europe for Five a period years. of time, but it wasn't a whole period of your time there. Does it disappoint you that you go into Liverpool, because clearly it's the biggest club in English football and the most successful club at that period of time, yet it didn't
0: necessarily deliver
1: you the outcomes that you might have anticipated?
0: It delivered me the outcomes I anticipated and more. Because don't forget, when I went to Liverpool in 1987, we won the league, we lost the cup final to Wimbledon. Next year we won the cup, we finished second to Arsenal. Next year we won the league. league, So the first four years it gave me everything. What it couldn't give me because we were banned from Europe was European football because we were banned for five years. Now I knew when I signed for Liverpool- But it never
1: gave you another championship,
0: did it? uh, after, after winning two championships yeah. and we finished second, no, he yeah. didn't. But what I'm saying is that in the first five years, it gave me, of course, of course, we wanted to win five. But in terms of the success we had, but I went to Liverpool, Peter Beardsley came as the most expensive player, knowing that we're not going to be in Europe. Yeah. Now, of course, you talk about who's, how can Liverpool attract players if they're not going to be in Europe. Back then, and the way it should be, is that you want to come and play for Liverpool, regardless of mm. whether, as Bill Shankly said. Was well, that
1: really it, the case then, though? I mean, we spin that yarn now, don't we? We spin the yarn about teams that play in Europe and the fact that you don't get the Champions League, you don't get the lure. But Liverpool had such
0: luster. Of course. And uh, so I'm, I'm agreeing. I said that's You're the way it should be. That's right. the way it should be. But unfortunately, in modern football now, players and agents talk about we're going to a team yeah, that's in the enough. Champions yeah. League. Yeah. So, But back then, it didn't matter that we, were gonna, we weren't going. We were going to be there. So so obviously, for the first five years, I won Player of the year twice. It was fantastic till I ruptured my kiddies. Tendon I had to change the way I played. But he gave me everything I had and more. And how did that happen? If you go right back to the beginning, as a 17-year-old at Watford, being at a professional club for three months, now I'm in the first team. I'm playing for England two years later. I've got a when I played for England I had a Jamaican passport. I didn't have a British passport mm. for 1 year because we didn't emigrate as a diplomat son. So you'd get to choose. I had a Jamaican passport. No, I physically still had when I played right. for England for 18 months I still had a Jamaican oh, okay. passport. Right. Because they just thought it's like Vinnie Jones playing for Wales and Tony Cascarino playing for Ireland and they didn't really check. Right. So I had a Jamaican okay. passport. And we when we went to Russia, Czechoslovakia with England, places like that where we went on a normal plane, we didn't get our private plane, so we had to go through customs. I had to go into a different queues so to the rest you, of the players. Did that
1: in mind? Did you feel when you played for England that that you were English and that you were playing for the national side that you were that you felt
0: represented you? Yeah, this is a this is a this is an interesting an interesting topic because why I played for England, why I played for England was because England were the first ones to ask me. Right now, okay. if you look at. And of course, I make fun of them all the time. John Aldridge, yeah. um, you know, Ray Houghton, Jason yeah. McIntyre, or English, they play yeah. for the Republic of Ireland. And they do that, no matter what they say, because England didn't ask them. Now, if all those 27 and what happened to me was that obviously I then become British, although I didn't because I didn't have a British passport, but I could have played for England, Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales. I'm now 18, 19 years old. If I got to 22, 23, you want to play in the World Cup? I'm not good enough for England, haven't asked me. Scotland come and say, do you want to Mm. play for us? I want to play for them. them, England were were the first. Now, normally it's the other way around. Someone asks you first and you decide to play for them. So because England asked me to play, I played for England. Now, when I played, I played for the team that chose me to represent yeah. them, and I'd give 100%. And I yeah. use Stuart Pearce as an example of this. And we all know Stuart, yeah, of British Bulldog, he's b- 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 proud to be hey, English. Yeah. 69 England him, yeah. caps. 69 England caps. I can guarantee you, and Stuart, I always tease him about this, and he's never publicly said this. But if he had 68 England caps, and his 69th cap happens to be, we don't know how, for France against England, he would give 100%. Because once he goes onto that field, whoever he represents, and that's the same way I felt. So I didn't, I I didn't, Necessarily feeling, literal feel, English or feel right. the pride because I felt the pride in my 11 teammates and the manager and the people who've chosen me and the fans who've chosen me. So I didn't have to be born in England or be or even be English to give 100% as Republic of Ireland with Jack Jack Charlton and so Yeah, I, I'm all those the players. same.
1: I think if you're going to do something, you represent something. In the end, you're representing yourself to some extent. So what you do is you never lower your standards. Absolutely, you, are, you up your game and you give your very best, even if some things that you don't necessarily subscribe to. Mm. So I'm of that mindset. If yeah. I'm taking a task on, it's a task that I'm going to take on, whether it's broadcasting, writing books, or owning businesses. Yeah. It will it'll be my passion and it'll it be to. my motivation it'll be yeah. my standard that yeah. I set and I won't drop it for anybody and you have players
0: who support one club and all yeah. these, some of my teammates who supported Everton playing for Liverpool gave 100% and ended up hating Everton because so, of the fans
1: so you sign for Dalglish who clearly you get on with because you sign for him later on in your career again at Newcastle mm. you have your best season in 1990 with Liverpool mm. because you do double mm. um, but quickly after that there's a change of management and Graham Souness comes in um, and I'm not entirely sure that that's a relationship made in heaven from what I gather. My understanding of it, let me just tell you my understanding yeah, yeah. of it, is that Souness had a certain style and has a certain style. Graham is, and I'll say it to Graham and I'll say it to, to, to you about Graham, Graham is the president of his own fan club, right? Mm-hmm. And he'll believe that everything he has to say is right and everyone else is a pudding sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Graham would w- wanted to break up a culture. And I want to talk about culture later on because yeah. I had Ray Houghton come to me as assistant manager at Palace. Palace and there's a culture right. that, really troubled me about football, that Graham felt he needed to break up at Liverpool. Absolutely. That was a disposition of people behaving the wrong way
0: and yeah. having a certain culture outside of football that Honest wasn't right. and Wenger came and messed it up for all yeah. the football. It well, was maybe, quite a nice little or, culture. Or it, more it was a nice culture. It was a
1: nice culture Elf. to be involved in. Well, it depends if you're a nice culture Elf. of the, <laughs> the guy writing check out the pay you were it. Made it more, professional. You upwards, right? made it more, more but, professional. But yeah. um, Graham said to me that when he signed to take Liverpool, when, when he was leaving Rangers to come to Liverpool, he was told by Peter Robertson that the only player that he'd probably like He's in me. this job is you. Mm-hmm. And Graham felt that you let him down and didn't feel he felt that you were in your armchair. He felt you'd gone from one level of salary to another, which mm-hmm. was quite significant, mm-hmm. and that you were in your armchair and not the player that he thought you should have been. He said, he also has his Achilles tendon. And you've had spats with Sooness mm-hmm. and you had to have climb down on certain things or mm-hmm. apologise for saying certain things when I talk to you about soonest in that period of time because it wasn't a particularly successful time for Liverpool it certainly wasn't a successful time for Graham because yeah. he comes away with the worst Liverpool re- managerial record that Liverpool had for, for a significant period of time and you might take some solace from that yeah, yeah. But nice. when I say that to you and I talk to you about Souness and that accusation about you but given mm-hmm. the background that you've got yeah. and given the fact that your father t- instilled in you the values mm-hmm. of you must give your best yeah. what's your take on that
0: sort of observation is well, it fair was it fair not not from my perspective, it's not at all. Because if you look at what actually happened when Graham came, and he's right, because Graham came and he said to me, we went out together, one of the first people he met talking about building the team around me and it's going to be great, blah, blah, blah. I then started having injuries. This is 1991. So he felt frustrated in me yeah. because I wasn't able to do the things I could do before. When I ruptured my Achilles tendon, they thought I wouldn't play football ever again. The doctor told me this, not at the time, because he doesn't want to say that to you at the time, yeah. but since I retired, he said, when you came in that operation, because when you ruptured Achilles tendon, not only did it rupture, it's shredded. Which meant that when you rub your Achilles tendon, you can't see because... You, but you see, must have told sooner yeah. this, mustn't you? No, but I didn't know that I wasn't playing again. They, they, they never told me right. this. So when I ruptured your Achilles tendon, your tendon does that. But you'd have known how you yeah. felt physically, wouldn't of you? Of course, Yeah. yeah. And then of course, you put it back together, but because it, it ruptured and it frayed, they couldn't put it back together. So they had to cut it even shorter. So of course, I'm just so happy to be back playing. I'm not noticing that I can't run. I'm just glad to be back playing. I'm now playing in midfield. So I understand Graham's frustration because all of a sudden he's come because John Barnes is going to be the player. Now John Barnes isn't doing that because I can't do it. That's but the only he still made, reason.
1: And listen, I don't want to labor the point, yeah, right, no. no, no. But I'm going to make the point yeah. because
0: he still
1: today has mm-hmm. the same view. And that must have been a discussion you, because you've had various altercations with one another during your time there. Yeah. You've had various clear the airs during then, but he still... It might be because Graham just retains the view that Graham wants to have. But but he doesn't... And, I, and again, I, I know you can't speak for Graham, but if, he, if he's abreast of that information, is there no complicitness from you... In the equation of disappointment for the outcome, because on one, according to your view of things, well, this is not possible for him to have that view because it's not a fair view. Oh, no, 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 on, no, 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 it's not no, a fair no, view yeah. then, is it? Okay, yeah. It's, possible to, it's possible to have that of view. It's possible to have that view if he chooses to have it because you yeah, can yeah, have whatever yeah. view you want. Of course right? it is. Yeah. You know, but the fairness of a view then, mm. it's not a fair view then, yeah. is it?
0: But then on that basis, he's being completely unreasonable then, isn't he? Well, if you look at, if you, if, 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 for example, Teddy Sheringham ruptures his Achilles tendon it's not going to affect him is it because he doesn't rely on pace or David Beckham if if Ryan Giggs does it's going to affect Ryan Giggs so therefore the player that Graham wanted me to be I could not physically be that but of course I have to be in the team because we haven't got anyone else so I'm not being the player I was I'm not the player I, I, I yeah. was so therefore he's frustrated but more importantly if you look at the way football and the culture of football was changing then and Graham was right why I have a lot of empathy with Graham is because Graham was right in terms of trying to change that culture which yeah. he was trying to do yeah yeah so but he was doing it at a time when there's a lot of resistance towards yep. it even from the staff yep. because liverpool was steeped in the Bill shankley bob pays the kennedy tradition as you know we go out and we get drunk together and we together. Done it
1: in 86 at united by getting rid of paul McGrath and people of that nature that were
0: very good players absolutely but fergie had a lot of but how long before he was successful four years now graham wasn't even yep. the four years yeah so therefore so therefore graham was doing the right thing but probably at the wrong time if you like or or the way he actually went about it so why
1: didn't so are you saying that's the reasons why he didn't succeed at Liverpool do you have any other reasons because he didn't succeed
0: no he didn't but right. in terms of what the things he was instilling in terms of the diet the nutrition the professional attitude which is what Arsene Wenger did and everybody yeah. bought in it then changed Graham was right in trying to do that I was going to make the point and I can
1: make it now because the link is there with Ray Houghton mm. because obviously Ray Houghton was someone I watched grew up watching in 1990 FA Cup for, semi-final against Palace yeah yeah um, that we obviously came back I, from that I nine knew year you I? <laughs> 9-0 drubbing goes to the 4-3 semi-final win. Yeah. Um, and I remember watching Ray in that game and obviously watching Ray's career. And when we, when I bought Palace and put Alan Smith in as manager, he brought Ray Houghton in. And for the first sort of two or three months, what I did was I stood back and I watched and I uh, popped along to the away games um, at, on a Friday evening and, and kept myself in the background but went with the management staff. And I watched for about two months my management team of Alan Smith and Glenn Cockwell and Ray Houghton Mm. drinking themselves to a Palookaville on a Friday evening Mm. and then on the Saturday morning before the game coming onto the team bus, bleary-eyed, and I'm sat there and I'm being told, this is how it works in football. And after about three or four months of of that nonsense and we're getting beat and I couldn't understand, hang on a second, if the business of the week is on a Saturday... Why would my management team, and the players all in bed, I'm not suggesting yeah, yeah, the players are yeah. involved in it.
0: Well, but the players sometimes all, they were, I can tell you, sneaking well, out. <laughs> possibly, maybe,
1: but not that I saw in this instance. Yeah. And then I'd see my management team all bleary-eyed getting on a bus to go and play whichever team we were playing on a Saturday. Mm. And after about three months, I put my foot down and said, and that was in 2000, 2001. Mm. So that culture of, I think it's a lack of professionalism. I think, how can you be a supreme athlete? How can you be a competitor mm-hmm. if you're putting yourself in a way of things that don't help you
0: be such? You would say This is how, this is the way you've been brought up. This is what you've seen throughout from the 70s to the 80s up until that period. The mid 90s, I'm surprised that's 2001 but obviously yeah. in certain clubs it went. But this is what you see. So you've you learn from what you see and you just do what you what other people did. And of course, now so I said if I was playing now, I would be exactly like the players now and wouldn't drink because this is what you see. Mm. You're a sixteen year old boy, you yeah, go to I a club, it. everybody's going it. out getting I drunk. Get that's what you do. No, so I get that, that's what happened. Yeah. So from Graham's perspective, he tried to change that because he went to Italy yeah. and saw a different way of doing it. Yeah. Then he came back to England. So it was completely understandable. So I always say. I empathize with graham but from my own personal perspective i'm thinking about hey am i going to play again and i know he's frustrated because and liverpool's way was always about and also you see liverpool's way always was about the senior players and i thought graham should have understood that because yeah. when graham and kenny played and they were the main players they were the ones who disciplined the players they're the ones who did everything run them around the coaches would say listen sort this out so the senior players did the senior players always did, they had that power. When Graham came, a lot of the senior players left and I brought through a lot of these young players and they have their careers to thank for Graham. So therefore the senior players didn't have that power anymore because once the Bosman rule came in, who became more important, the senior players or the young players? You needed a Robbie Fowler on a five-year contract. Yeah, 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 yeah. So therefore this, the senior players then were surplus of requirement, yeah, me and yeah. Roshi were the only two. So of course then the whole Liverpool way that you learned as a young player coming in, learning from the senior players was completely gone because this is a new way of football coming in. So. It was just a, a, a difficult time for Graham and for Liverpool and for me. And of course, when Hulia came in, yeah. then, you know, that that, that, that actually program. changed. Yeah. And, you know, just to show you about the, 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 the clash of cultures and how football has changed so much. Um, the day the year I left, which is a funny story, you know, in pre-season, we used to go to Sweden, Scandinavia, play lots of games. Yeah. And of course, when you go for pre-season training, all, sorry, you play five matches in two weeks against little village teams. And as soon as the game's over, you're out. Gerard Hulia had said, and of course, him and Roy were joint managers. And there's a story that, you know, the players were like, well, who's in charge? Who's in charge? And it's you for a, a few months until Roy left. But preseason, Gerard Julia goes, right, we're not going out now. No going out yeah. after after the game. So they come in, a little village, Hamstead, just a little village. You know, you go to the town square and all the players then not said, well, we're going to sneak out. So they put all their going out gear on. Yeah. And as soon as they, the lift door opens, they walked out to go <laughs> yeah. out. There is Gerard Julia and his assistant at the door. Now going out into, standing at the door, looking at them like that, saying, which Wait, you you yeah. So of course they stood there and he's giving them a bollock in. they're all standing there ready to go out. He's now saying, I'll tell you no, I'll give them a bollock in. The lift door opens, out comes Roy. <laughs> and he's going out there because <laughs> he's going out with the lads. Yeah, he's <laughs> coming between two cultures, isn't he? And he's gone. Uh, so he stood there as well. So this was a time and of course, because of Wenger, that was then accepted. That is why I think Graham was way ahead of his time in terms of what he actually wanted yeah. to do. Probably too fast and too yeah. soon, and the way he actually did it because you know what Graham's like, rather than bringing you I think along he knows with him. I think he knows that. Bringing you
1: along with him rather yeah, than I think you I think he head. knows that. I mean, I'm not going to speak for yeah. him, but it's not we're not talking but, uh, about him too much. Yeah. But. So,
0: uh, so that it was just a time when 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 the, the, the cross cultures of football were different. And Arsenal, are a typical example. I mean, mm-hmm. please, Tony Adams was you know he only oh, old donkey drinking a lot, then all Ab- of a sudden he became like Franz Beckenbauer absolutely. because of Wenger.
1: You and your international career. Mm -hmm. Do you think, I mean, was that goal against Brazil the best moment and worst moment of your international career? Because it goes from that high. um,
0: Where people expect me to do that every weekend. If I didn't, then I failed. And
1: then you've got being booed off against San Marino. Yeah. right. When you look at your international career, 79 caps, Mm -hmm. 11 goals. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: How do you view it? Do you think your international career, do you think that you were a disappointment to people? Do you think you disappointed yourself?
0: Well, I, what I, do you attribute I, all I'm, of it you down know, to I, you? know I, I never disappoint myself because I give a hundred percent and if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't yeah. work. So I never disappoint myself. I do as well as I can with the circumstances that I have been that, that surrounds me. Now what I always say, you know who in my opinion, and everybody has a different opinion, and we spoke about this person earlier, and this is a big reason as to why a lot of the players didn't like him as well. In my opinion, the greatest technical English player ever is Glenn Hoddle. Ever. I, in terms of his technical I ability. I kind of agree, yeah. yeah? His technical yeah. ability. Yeah. Now, don't forget, in the 80s, English football was not about that, was it? It was about Carlton Palmer no, it was Charles fighting. Hughes, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. so he's it, fighting. Was, it was Charles so Hughes. So therefore, himself, Chris Waddle, yeah. so therefore, the technical players who played for England weren't, A, as appreciated, weren't appreciated or weren't yet. played in the right way yeah. for us to show what we can do. I, I would love to play now, because and of course that's what that's it's what about I was going to ask so therefore yeah. in those circumstances I couldn't have done any better because English football was not about that I hardly got the ball it was about you know Gary Nika in the box scoring goals Brown yeah. Robson Terry Butcher at the back Schiltz in goal fighting we played against Morocco and technically they were better than us we beat them because the laws of football meant we could bully them which is what we gonna did ask you, because so technical players were not as appreciated so I couldn't have done anything so different so in this,
1: in this um, version of football that we see now because I, I look at your goal scoring record and I look at you as a player and I look at the performances that you've had and the, and the expectations of you and I look at your goals to games ratio and I think, well, given by modern standards that we've seen players that have gone on to be, I know Ronaldo went more down a centre towards the yeah, end of yeah, his yeah.
0: career. More importantly, they're not kicking you
1: <laughs> and they're not so, trying to break your so leg. So would you, in this day and age, Would you have excelled even more than you did?
0: I would have done better for England, absolutely. I don't know about Liverpool, you know, because of course I played well for Liverpool, obviously, you know, later on I didn't, but in terms of the first five years. But I use, I look at players like Glenn Hoddle and saying he would have been the best player here in England now. Chris Waddle, people like that. Whereas even, you know, you could go back to 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 Liam Brady who was an incredible footballer yeah, but they were was, playing yeah. at a time when football yeah. was so physical Glenn became the best foreign player in France Chris Waddle went to France um, Liam Brady went to Italy now for me that's why I wanted to go to play in Italy when I was you know when Luther went to AC Milan in 84 I wished it was me because that's when football that's where all the best players were going and it was a very technical game whereas for England Liverpool always was a technical game which is why it suited me whereas England wasn't so I completely empathise with the fans who said he didn't do as well for England and I agree with them and I said if you want me to play the way for England that I did for Liverpool let England play like Liverpool. Yeah. Disappointment to you? Well, it's not a disappointment. I played in two World Cups. I did what I did. Yeah. Of course, we always want more, but I look at my career, look at the way it went, um, and say, well, whatever happens was meant to happen." So, I'm not someone who will then say, "If only I did better, if I didn't represent at least ten, I would have been great." I'm completely accepting of what happens to be in in life.
1: Winger to winger. When you look at the when you look at players today, and you look at yourself. I I was a winger, and I'd like to associate myself with you in the same conversation. Just for right purposes. winger, you're not left-footed, though, are
0: you? Uh, I'm two-footed. So, which wing did he play on? Left. Okay.
1: Um, when you look at wingers and you look at them now and you look at the, the quality of people like Saka and people like that, how do you compare stuff with those, or how do they, how do they compare to well, you? Well, once
0: again, this is how football has changed. Because Skirling. if Saka played when I played, he'd be playing on the left to go the line to put crosses in. But now, Salah, Saka, Mane on the right. If he left-footed, he play on the right. So he's not a winger. He comes inside to shoot with his with his with his left foot. And can't remember him going down the line and putting across him with his right foot for anyone to score. So wingers now are completely different. They're now inverted wingers. And if I was playing now, I would score more goals, yep. but I wouldn't create as many because I've got Ian Rush, John Aldridge, Robbie Fowler, centre forward who wants want me to cross the ball for them. I'll be so. In fact, in many respects, the 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 Lemondowski is probably going to be and Harry Kane are going to be the last great centre forwards because now you're going to have wide players scoring all the goals. Huh. Well, yeah, Ireland. unbelievable right. One. But generally speaking, a lot of number nines who yeah. scored goals. Whereas now he's always going to be a wide player who scores goals. So me playing now, so I don't compare them to me at all because they're different types of players. Yeah. So even me playing now would not be the John Barnes. Then they wouldn't play me on the left.
1: Because I grew up with wingers, I grew up watching Stevie Copp and Peter Barnes. And they and got like that and put crosses yeah, in front yeah, yeah. of all. Yeah. But now from and the Cunningham and people like that. Yeah. The Liverpool situation now, the rebuild that's required under Klopp. I'm a big Klopp fan. Mm. I think he got away with it for a couple of years and you'll say it's because he was a white manager but he got away with it for a couple of years no, 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 and rebuilt no, no. I'm and, saying and, that and, and it, it wasn't because he, he didn't win and, mm. he, and I thought he got away with a $64 million smile because the media liked him mm-hmm. right?
0: and he didn't win anything and other managers they got sacked right? but the fans trusted him you see the fans shut it in, and that's the. i said this at because the beginning. Because as brilliant. long as the fans stick with you, even if you lose all your games, the games, the, the owners will stick with you. I think and that's what it. happened. And
1: I think if Daniel Levy had him at Tottenham, yeah, he would have been in a different space because he would have bought, he would have got Daniel Levy to do different things. He'd have got the Spurs fans alongside him, and he would have worked within the constraints of it because yeah, Liverpool yeah, yeah. didn't give him loads of money. They no. sold Coutinho, and right? he's never
0: done that, has he? He's not, wherever he's been at Dortmund, he doesn't like that. He likes a harmonious dressing, which doesn't mean we're going to spend so millions on superstars. What, what do you think has gone wrong this season with them? Well, first of all. Um, we have to address. I think our midfield situation, yep. because what we had, we had high energy midfield players—three wynaldums three Hendersons, three Milners—that type of a player. Now we're trying to be a bit more technical, which doesn't really suit us because what we did in midfield—three hard hard-working midfield players get the ball forward quickly. We can close down up front because the three midfield players could close behind us and win the ball. Now we have better technical players—Javier, Tiago. But when we lose the ball, they can play through us. So we're going through a bit of a transitional period. We're top heavy in terms of so many strikers we have. Him? Do you back him, to oh, absolutely. him Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Do you back him to be a force next season?
0: To be much stronger than we are, yeah, I do. But here's the situation, a here's the situation. Mumbai. Now, football fans, and this is where football has completely changed. And of course, you being an owner and a chairman would understand this, which is why I'm probably, you think you're probably glad not to be in football anymore, where they say, just spend more money, spend more <laughs> money, give them big contracts. Because that's what we've got to do, isn't it? We've got to spend more money and buy better players. How much does Chelsea spend and how many players have they got? And where are they? Hmm? Six, seven hundred million. And how many players have they bought? Yeah, so the but solution but isn't just to throw money at it. But that's a different argument. No, 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 no. But no, no, no it, I'm talking anyway, about Liverpool any folk fans saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Spend but, it right. But that's what fans are saying. Ah, but spending it right, you have to be fortunate to a yeah. certain degree because the players you've bought are all good players, but it hasn't worked out. So the solution isn't just to spend money, and fans aren't going to be happy if you're not winning. And if you're not winning, it's going to be, oh, we've got too many players, go we spend seven hundred million. Oh, we're not spending enough money. So ultimately, as you know, if you lose, a football match, or if you're losing in matches, the fans will come up with whatever reason why that is. Oh,
1: yeah. Listen, I used to walk through the through the, the lounges. And if if um, the team had won, I'd be giving babies to kiss and photographs to taken. if they lost, I'd be getting pelters as the owner of the football club. And you, it goes with the territory. You of course can't have an emotional does. business. Of course it And not expect emotion, right? Of course right?
0: it does. But what would help is that once you talk about regulation, uh, and I'll talk about a salary cap, because, of course, if it's going to be the way that it is, all you're going to hope for is to then get a multimillionaire owner from Saudi Arabia or yeah, whatever, uh, and then, and and then and cap, that's what cap. you have to do. I'm in a salary, salary cap, cap. 100%. Uh, but it's coming. 100 It's coming in, 90%, 100%. 70% of And that's what should happen. When
1: you look at Pep Guardiola, and you think that, uh, I think that there's, uh, I hate to give it attributions of revolutions, and I do sometimes push back against Pep Guardiola. But he's a fantastic coach. But he's a fantastic coach. And do you think that he has changed, I think, in a high tide all boats rise higher right and I think the standard of English football in the last five or six years has been dragged up kicking and screaming by Pep Guardiola's revolution yeah. and his preparedness to do whatever it takes he wouldn't have taken he wouldn't have made David De Gea go long in the next game he'd have made him pass out from the back again
0: until he got it right that's what they do mm. and that's what you should do that's what you should do so Swan's do you think remember he's the, the landscape of English football certainly the Premier League well, if you know the history of Pep Guardiola, you know the history of Renes Mikkels from Ajax, which then Johan Cruyff then took that on and took it to Barcelona. And he's a student of Johan Cruyff. You can see where Pep Guardiola gets his yeah. ideas from. So it's, yes, Pep may have changed it. It's a little bit like when people change it from Bill Shankly, but that's where it came from. Yeah. So, but, but what happens is that you have to have those players to do that. And yeah. Not many people do. But you do. have to
1: deploy them properly as well.
0: Absolutely, but first of all, you have but to look at that quality. Does, but ninety percent of teams don't have that.
1: But he betters them all. Absolutely, Conte didn't want to do any of that at Tottenham.
0: Absolutely, and look what he does. Ah, but once Grealish again, Grealish is a different player. Yeah, now. But once again, and that's why Jack Grealish, I'm so happy for him because at Villa he came the ball, get the ball off the back four, he went review. We'd be like Zaha. Yeah. Now Grealish is a much better player. He doesn't have as much touches. He's playing a different game now. But but those players and the whole the whole debate could he do it at at, at Crawley Town?
1: yeah I know fortunately
0: he can't yeah. whereas maybe some allies could yeah. so but therefore it, but, so but it's also a
1: different skill to manage top players Absolutely. so it's a silly example to Absolutely. Take, him, take Alex Ferguson down to Hartlepool or him down oh, no, to no, 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 no. Town.
0: I think Alex could do it at Hartlepool do you maybe he's accepted Alex I he, don't think could do it at, in the way that they fear. do it well yeah. and also yeah. the, the, in, in terms of the way that the game's played I don't think yeah. Alex could play the type of football he needed in that Pep that Pep does do you think
1: the do you think the duopoly of Liverpool and Man City is dead or do you think it will get reignited?
0: Well, I don't think it'd be a duopoly because you could add Arsenal to that equation. Do you I think they're
1: going to get stronger?
0: I think they will. They'll grow because they're young. They'll get better. Um, and they have a long-term vision, long-term plan. I think Liverpool do if Klopp stays and Man City obviously do if Pep stays. But I don't think other clubs do. I think they're just, you know, they're, they're transient in that Chelsea will just say, let's have more players. And Man United will sat in the manager get another manager. So they don't have a long-term plan. So I think those three clubs will, I don't think that any of them will do what Liverpool and, and Man City did two years ago. Where it's think Chelsea going to get back siege. in the mix? Pochettino. Likely. <laughs> well, once again, it really depends on who is in charge at Chelsea.
1: Bowley l- will learn his lessons. He'll <laughs> learn his lessons. People are quick studies.
0: Well, if he does, then I think Chelsea could, because yeah. they'll, the, they'll have that. But I think that, that, that is the only, that's the only question. John,
1: I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for being up front with me today. Pleasure. Up front with me, Simon Jordan, is brought to you by William Hill. Future episodes can be found on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly.